Hey everyone, in this episode, Aiden Carrazza and I sat down with the incredible Keith Pinto, the Rockstar Marketing Manager. Keith brings a wealth of knowledge in MarTech, the fascinating intersection of technology and marketing. In this podcast, our goal is to ask Keith everything he knew about AI, digital marketing, and how to use these powerful technologies to optimize your marketing, business, and life. Prepare to be amazed by the earth-shattering impact AI will have on our world, and more importantly, how you as an entrepreneur and investor can harness this transformative technology to benefit from it, as opposed to lose to it. Keith also shares the best AI tools that he personally uses and what he now uses on a day-to-day basis for marketing and life. At Rockstar, we believe crafting your life on your terms is way more than just about real estate. Marketing, for example, is a skill set that empowers you to become a magnet for whatever it is that you desire in your investing, your business, and your life. As a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you gain exclusive access to direct marketing training from Tom, Nick, and now Keith as well. From monthly newsletter articles that we mail to you packed with insightful articles, to presentations at Rockstar member events and exclusive classes at VIP member meetings, Tom, Nick, and Keith go deep on how to become a marketing magnet for whatever it is that you're seeking. Tom even gave me some private advice the other day that the next step in my own journey should be to understand how both markets and people work. So between learning proven marketing strategies and strategies that Tom and Nick rely on to tactical training from Keith on how to leverage technology to its fullest, you get exclusive access to it all as a Rockstar Inner Circle member. To learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership and all the incredible benefits it offers, reach out to us by email at members at rockstarbrokerage.com, call 905-338-6964, extension 210, and chat with us about the membership, or simply visit rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to learn more. By the way, this podcast intro is brought to you in part by ChatGPT. After this conversation with Keith, it woke me up from my AI ignorant slumber, and I'm now using ChatGPT regularly to help me speed up process is my life. Now, let's do the same with you. Without further ado, Keith Pinto. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So I'm here live with uh, Rockstar Marketing Manager, Keith Pinto. He's joining us for the first time on the podcast. And then Tom's son, Aiden, as well as joining us. And uh, we wanted to do this podcast with Keith. Keith is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to marketing. He's essentially the manager of all the marketing here that happens at Rockstar. And uh, lately, he's also dived down the AI rabbit hole. <laughs> so this recent AI boom that we've all been hearing about with ChatGPT and all these different tools and stuff, Keith has become a wizard at using these tools. He just did a great presentation for the Rockstar VIP members and then for the team members here on Monday. He scared everywhere that everyone there at the VIP event. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Keith took a turn scaring everyone instead of Tom with his economic update. So yeah, we just wanted to sit down with Keith and uh, chat with him about his journey here to Canada, um, about marketing principles and a lot of his marketing knowledge. And then also this AI stuff. He has a lot of interesting stuff that he can share about that. Yeah. Awesome. I'm super happy to share whatever I have. So Keith, what's your background? Where are you from? So I'm from a city called Mumbai in India. It's, uh, if you talk about square feet or like area wise, it's smaller than Toronto but it has three times more population than Toronto. So it's so, around 21 million people in Mumbai. So the density is really, really high. I'm coming from a city which is like super crowded. Wow. Yeah. I, I think, think Toronto is only 3 million people. I think it's six or seven if 
I'm, is that the whole GTA though? I think the actual city of Toronto is only like three million. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But then if I'm only uh, holding on to Toronto, it's yeah. The we're smaller than Toronto, and we still have 21 million people there, uh-huh. and it grows every day. Like there are trains coming in from all over India, coming into the cities. There are other cities as well, but Mumbai is just like you know, for someone who has dreams, who wants to kind of achieve something, they would go to Mumbai and kind of start their journey. Is that like the New York City of India? Sort of, yeah. I would I would call it, yeah. I would Like in that. LA or New York where people go to achieve their dreams? New York would be the right, uh, you know, comparison if you go to see that. Yeah, and then uh, language spoken there. Your English is like better than mine. It's impeccable. It's English. Uh, majority majority is Hindi, but it's all. It depends on which state you are. Like how provinces. When you mention provinces out here, there's states there. So, it depends on which state you are in. Your mother tongue is is different. For me, uh, I'm I've grown up speaking English because we used to go to the church and I still go to the church and stuff. But uh, we get to communicate a lot in in the same language, right? So it helps. So yeah, that's why my English is so good. So you came here four years ago and you were shocked with the Ontario Go trains compared to your experience with trains back home. Can you explain what that was like? <laughs> okay, so my train experience back home uh, has been like scary because obviously <laughs> it's crowded as hell. I've showed you some videos, right? How how scary it can be. But uh, my first time I was actually coming here uh, to the other office, the old office, and uh, I was like, okay, I just have to take a train and get to that place. How hard can it be? Uh, I sat on the train. I was probably the only person in, in that compartment. And I came all the way alone. So I was like so surprised. I started clicking pictures, sending it across to my friends. Like, dude, you have to check this out and stuff. Look at these empty trains here. Yeah, I was like, uh, am I even going in the right place? I, I actually, I, I didn't mention this to anyone. I actually went to the uh, to the, the center of the train where the guy is who, who makes the announcements. And I asked him, like, is this going to Oakville? He's like, yeah. It's like, where is everyone? It's like, um, you're not traveling during the peak hours. You would probably see that during the evenings or in the early mornings and stuff. I said, okay, I don't mind traveling like this every day. So it was a two-hour journey because I had to kind of... Um, you were coming hours. from Scarborough to Oakville every day. Exactly. So it was two hours one way. But again, because it was so empty and quiet, I could do a lot of things. I could read stuff. I could you know, watch a movie if I needed to or just simply take a nap. So I was, I was okay spending that much time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for you, man. To come from Scarborough to Oakville every day, four hours of commute time. That, yeah. That's, uh, that's what it's all about, man. That's huge. Yeah. It, it kind of got a little hard once I had my baby because uh, then I needed to spend more time back home, right? It, it's not flexible anymore. So I was like, hey, you know, I might just move. I like this place. I really want to work here for as long as I can. So I decided to get a place really close by. So I'm like 10 minutes away from the office now. So yeah. My yeah. Just drop like crazy. Yeah, yeah. You bought a condo here, and yeah, yeah that's definitely been better for you. Yeah. And it's been cool to see, man. You come here because we started at the same time at Rockstar, right? So you came here. You had this crazy commute mm-hmm. um, for I don't know how many years you did that, and then to see you um, build up your life here in Canada. You had Caden, your, mm-hmm. your kid. You have your. You just recently bought a car. You bought your condo, and yeah. you really. It's just cool to see because I feel like I've had it so easy relative to you being mm-hmm. born and raised here. Whereas okay. you've, you've had to come and kind of build yourself up from nothing here. No network, no anything. So mm-hmm. it's just inspiring to see, man. Thanks. Um, what was your experience like overall with the Canadian immigration system? Well, uh, right after we got married, like it was in 2015, I decided that I had to move to another country. Like I was done with India because 
I was uh, really struggling. I was putting a lot of hours, but I was not really getting, uh, you know, any monetary benefit out of it. And um, the pollution and a lot of other things like uh, the political stability in, in the country is also not the get, uh, not the best. I know people might disagree with me, but I feel like I don't feel safe there anymore. So I decided to move to Canada because when I was looking at other countries like Australia and some other European nations, it was a little more tougher for me to get through. But I applied through the permanent residence uh, process where I had to go through, like, you know, share all my experiences, uh, my education. And then I had to give an English test as well, which is called IELTS. And I had to submit all of that information. I got into a pool. They have a draw. And then if your score is really high and if they have a cutoff and if you make the cutoff, then you're getting invited. And that's when, you know, the actual process starts. That's when I send most of the original documents and stuff. They will validate it and then finally say, hey, uh, you are, you're welcome to come to the country. Here's the stamp on your passport. Come into the country in the next six months and you will get your permanent resident card. So that's my whole process. So it took me at least two years because I had so many other things I needed to do. I need to do the IELTS exams and stuff. I gave them my first attempt and the IELTS exam, what happens is uh, the written exam is actually writing. So you take a pencil and say, I was not really good at writing because my my uh, my handwriting is, is really shit. I've, I've, I've spent most <laughs> of my time on computers, so I've, I've, I've lost touch. But uh, I was so determined to actually make it to this country that I didn't lose hope. There was, uh, you know, those kindergarten kids, they actually sit with a red and a blue line to kind of get their handwriting in place. I actually did that. I sat down and I wrote that for months. And then I went and I attempted the exam again and then I, I was able to clear that. And everything else was fine. My scores were all like really, really high, except for the writing was just because of my handwriting. Because what I, was the exam for? It was to just test your English language. Okay. Yeah, you need to pass this? Yes, you can, it, there's not really passing. It's just like they see your ability and based on your scores, you get bonus if you are really good at it, right? So there's, I, see. I think it's a CLB nine, if I'm not mistaken, is what I kind of achieved. And that gave me an additional 50 points that could be added to my entire score. So that really helped. And that's why I didn't give up, right? So if I would just submit my scores with my first uh, test that I gave in, I would have not made it. So that's why I was like, no, I, I need to make through. So I just went ahead and did this, this whole process and kind of went through it. So I wouldn't say it's difficult, but it's time consuming. There's a lot of paperwork involved and stuff, but I feel compared to other countries, it's easier to get into Canada. Yeah. And then you made a comment earlier about how you think that, like, it's interesting that they incentivize strong English speakers, mm -hmm. but you were saying some of the ways people are getting into Canada now that um, English isn't being incentivized or they're struggling with it because they're getting around the, the English testing to get in. Yeah. So uh, just to explain this, uh, so you have permanent residency. That is one uh way of getting in. The other way of getting in is, is through education, right? You take up a course and then uh, you complete the course and then you you start working and you apply for a PR and kind of get there. So they come in through being an international student? Exactly. And the barrier for entry for that is really low in terms of the English language. So I'm not against it. Like everyone should get the opportunity to come here, right? It's an amazing country, a uh, lot of opportunities available here. However, I think we're setting them up for a little bit of failure out here because uh, in order to get a good job, you need to be able to communicate with people. And that was one of the strong points for me when I came in and spoke to Dominic and I had an interview, I was able to communicate my point. A lot of the students out here, because the English language 
was not such a big deal to get into you know some of the courses out here they are going to face a lot of trouble when they're going to hit the real market right when they're done with the course when they actually walk in into the real world they're going to face a lot of problems in fact uh, we recently had an event and we had this huge um uh a job fair right next to the event that we had and there were thousands of students out there for practically like 10 jobs like it kind of showed that you know there are a lot of students there's a lot of people out here but i don't think they're getting the right opportunity maybe someone's doing an mba or doing something else but are they working in the field that they wanted they've actually chosen so yeah i feel like the immigration system is not really set up right uh i'm not complaining because there are a lot of people coming in i want more people to come in uh there's a lot of opportunities like i mentioned earlier but i feel like uh another thing another negative that i could bring about is uh, our infrastructure is not developing at the same pace as the number of immigrants actually coming through so it's me it's you who's already been in the country are going to face this problem where you go into a you go into the hospital at an emergency i spend 12 hours just waiting to get attended by someone so that is going to get amplified the more the number of people keep coming in so if they fix that if they have okay we get 1 million people so we have 10 new hospitals come in i think there's a balance there and that's i think one way of fixing the immigration system so yeah so yeah you can continue enriching the country i think with different cultures and skilled workers mm-hmm. i think they actually do a pretty good job of incentivizing the skilled worker and um but yeah it's the infrastructure and then that's what fosters like anti-immigration exactly is because people are like look now we can't afford houses here or there's too much traffic or the hospitals and and like yeah it's not keeping up and then it's creating that political divide where it's a very controversial hot topic now exactly <coughs> and for a good reason like it should, if you're bringing in this amount of people you need to have this amount of in- infrastructure to keep up otherwise mm-hmm. everyone's quality of life suffers exactly So yeah, and totally we see that with housing and we're also looking at the numbers recently the the amount of uh international students coming into Canada compared to the other big what it, whatever it was like the G7 countries and yeah, Canada's I think it was almost 50 or 100% more like double the amount of international students coming in Canada compared to like the US, the UK, Australia. So yeah, it's crazy to see. Yeah, per capita it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um I want to ask you about AI. So you had this awesome AI presentation. Okay. And um first of all, what is AI? Just a quick definition. Oh, uh, if I have to define it simply, it's um it's a technology that allows machines to um to think and uh what else can it do? And it kind of takes uh, and make decisions. So, uh think of it as a software that has the capability of, you know, consuming so much and analyzing a lot of data. learning from the data and then using that data to kind of uh take make decisions and solving problems so that is what is ai does and it's kind of formulated be, uh based on the human brain because what we do is like right now my eyes is looking at 30 frames per second right for for a minute it's like 1800 uh 1800 frames per second and in a day if you're not going to sleep it's going to be like 2.5 million frames per second we're consuming so much of information we store some we I don't know what happens in the brain out there but then we use that to take decisions we use that to learn some stuff and kind of execute it in later in our life same thing with AI they kind of learn information using data and then they can execute whatever task that has been put across to them as long as the data is accurate like sometimes if you feed the wrong data it's learning the wrong information so it's not going to give you the right information right so that's exactly how we work as well if you t- if you teach me something that is wrong I'm and I feel that is 
I'm learning from you and I feel that is uh, right, I'm going to go and execute it the same way and we're going to continue making this mistake. So yeah, that's how AI was is it, that's how AI works basically yeah you broke it down in really simple terms which i liked which was it's just a, like a massive amount of calculations from a massive amount of data mm-hmm. that's happening so the the input um information comes in mm-hmm. like you used a tesla car stopping at a red light mm-hmm. um the, the input is the yellow light gets picked up by the camera frames that's right and then based on all these calculations, based on a huge amount of data, it knows it, I need to slow down or I'm going too fast or it's too, like the light just went and I'm already in the intersection. That's so right. I'm going to continue going through. Mm-hmm. So based on all these calculations happening within, you know, a millisecond mm-hmm. or even a shorter time frame, it then goes through those calculations. And then the output is that the car slows down that's or right. that it continues through the intersection. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's the most basic, simple way I've heard it explained. Yeah. And we, we look at it as in, um, you know, the capture that we do every day, like when we have to sign up for, uh, when you go and put your information in a form, you get a capture, it's an image capture and it shows up like, hey, there's a, can you select the traffic lights? So I go ahead and I select the traffic lights out there and that is data for uh, an, for AI to kind of learn. So we are actually providing that data because for us, that is the the traffic lights. And then that information is collected and then supplied to another AI software that is learning from that information. So we are oh, giving wow. that information to it. So, yeah. How much of that is happening that we don't even know about? It's everywhere. Uh, think of it when you are translating something, like you, you, you found something which is in Spanish and you copy paste it and put it into Google and say translate it into English and you say, oh, that's not bad. And it'll ask you, hey, is this good or is it bad? You see the up and the down arrow, right? So when you hit up, it means that you're feeding this information back to AI saying that this is good enough so that I can use this for the next thing. So everywhere, even when you use ChatGPT, it always asks you at the end, do you think this information that I gave you is good? Or is it bad? So when you get, say it good, it's actually learning from that and it's it's going to use that information to process it for the next person who uses it the same command. So it's constantly learning. Uh, your car as well sometimes when you're driving. So uh, at the end of the driving system, uh, I'm not sure if it's really active with most of Tesla's, it'll tell you how did you find your driving experience. It was in the test phase. So it will say yes, no, you made these mistakes. So it's basically your feeding information. So Tesla right now is fighting with the government saying, I need to do more of these tests. I need to be on the road testing these cars because that's the only way the car will learn that you know there are these, there's a person walking or there's another car or there's some sort of uh, obstacle that I need to avoid. And yeah, that's, that's basically giving it more information. Mm. I didn't realize that algorithms, though thinking about it now, mm-hmm is just is is artificial intelligence and that i mean algorithms on youtube and on our phones and google search and you know ads that are targeted to you have been around for so long Mm -hmm. i didn't really realize that was artificial intelligence but it comes in many different forms yeah i mean it's everywhere like when you say algorithm it's uh what it's doing is it's going out there and getting that information so uh i wanted to explain the concept of neural networks so just like our brain, there is something called as, uh, the brain has neurons, right? So neural networks is like the backbone for an artificial intelligence and uh, data learning machines, right? So what neural networks is, is artificial neurons, which uses algorithms to go out there, look at all the data and understand the relationship between data. So everything that we use is all neural networks. Back in the day in 2012 or 20. Uh, Google started training a neural network by showing it cat images. And 
it was not even labeling it it's not saying okay this is a furry cat this is a black cat this is a white cat it was just just showing images to the neural network and it was basically consuming the information and then when it was connected to another data set it was able to kind of connect all the information and say okay this cat is a furry cat so it'll understand that information it doesn't need me to go and label that image anymore and say that it's it's a, a furry cat so that that is that is how neural networks work and it's almost everywhere so uh we use it with our social media like our ads how does it decide that this ad needs to be shown up to anthony monaro because your behavior on the internet is defining uh what that ai needs to do with you so if it says okay this is the parameters that i set up and ai will decide based on your behavior that i'm going to show this ad to you and it's it's doing pretty well right right now our ads are running on an auto basis we just put in like okay it just needs to be served within canada and it goes goes and figures out you know which is the right audience it takes a little while right it it's in a learning phase it goes and searches out for people but when it figures it out it knows which one to go and target and show these ads to are you getting this information back like okay here's the target demographic we've decided on that's no. that's engaging with your ads no i don't think we get that information we can save this save them as audiences that we can reuse it but they will not really give you that demographics and stuff that way it's not really visible so it'll give you um a pool it'll like give a you a specific audience that, group that's right and then you can go after it and like remarket and use that uh, pool as well but you don't get names and demographics and all that stuff hmm is this um google or is this different social media platform like facebook ads which specific platform any ad ad platform right now is is all uh, structured around the same thing because it's all based on behavior and how you kind of structure it like if you give a lot of information back in the day when ads really ran was you gave them demographics like you gave them your name your age where you born like and you know where you're staying right now and based on that they would actually go and find you right but now so like when you sign up for facebook mm -hmm. you you're putting in all your demographics exactly and then you would as a marketer use the facebook you would target your facebook ads to that whatever specific demographic that you wanted correct and back in the day it was based on that demographics but then say for example i was in mumbai right so now i've moved to canada and it automatically picks it up based on my gps data and stuff that way that where i am right now and it'll only show me ads based on this country initially that was not allowed right so we were i was in mumbai and india and if i was in canada i was still getting ads from back from india but now because of ai it understands where i am and you know what's my behavior where which city i am and and i'm i'm kind of localized and i get ads localized as well based on all the all the behavior and stuff that i'm doing i've noticed that too like when we're in croatia in the summer i've noticed my ads when we're that once we're there for like a week mm -hmm. are then croatian products and all the languages in croatian and i didn't change anything in my settings or on my phone yeah, yeah it just knows your location and then i guess pushes those ads yeah it's instantaneous like it changes almost as soon as you go there and switch on your maps because you need to do that to get to a place right it knows exactly all that data is fed back into the system and all this data is what ai is learning and then delivering stuff to you so it as much information that you can give back to the system that is how it's using to kind of process it and come back to you with the relevant information i don't know if you guys have had this experience but i feel like sometimes i'll say something out loud i like don't even search it up on my phone and then you get those ads the next day and you're like this thing has to be listening to me yeah. and I, i don't know if that's true or not but i feel like we've all had those experiences where it's yeah, like how much say truth something i haven't dug deep into that stuff but i've heard a lot of people say this um in fact I was talking to one of my friends he was like hey I was at my uh brother's place and I was 
just the other day i was actually having a conversation with my wife about something a product and when he was at his brother's place it showed up out there i was like how is that even possible it's like then i kind of looked into it and it's like he was connected to the same wifi network as his brothers and then it felt like when he was watching the video it was like okay you're in this wifi network but you had this conversation so i'm going to show you this ad right wow. now because it's your device because he was he was streaming his device onto the television so it recognizes his device and it was showing the ad and he was blown away it's like how is this even possible like but i don't know like most of the companies deny that they're listening to you but there is an there's a mic that data must be there because i mean hey siri like i'll say that right now and my phone will turn on and siri's listening so it's always yeah. listening to you and i guess that data is there yeah there is a mic right so why do governments go after these like tiktok and stuff that way it's like okay they they consuming data they getting information but i feel like the mic's always on it's constant it must be it needs to, to be if yeah if, if i say hey siri then there goes my phone yeah can you shut the mic off do you have the option to I think you can in my device the the Google Nest Hub that I have there is an option where I can actually turn off the mic so it doesn't really take any more commands after that but if I switch it back on it kind of Yeah for the longest time I didn't use Hey Siri like I don't want to have this on I don't know if if that turning like maybe it was still listening even with me having that off but now I finally broke I'm just like whatever I'm going to keep it on cuz I <laughs> Yeah it feels point, so invasive Yeah Huh so how has marketing changed then so from back in the day when you would plug in the demographics now basically in all these ad platforms it's doing all that work for you so technology is really good because now it's allowed me to go after the pe- person that i really really need to go after right it's just narrowing down for me because initially i would need to go and set up the audiences i need to figure out where they are and all of this stuff but with technology i'm getting more avenues not everyone is on facebook not everyone's on instagram not everyone's on tiktok but if i know i can go at each of these platforms and put my ad and let the ai decide that this is the right audience for me i'm just going to put in my money go after these audiences make sure the message is right and you know those guys will keep coming to me so i feel technology has helped a marketer to kind of reach to a point that they can identify markets better does this then because everyone has access to find their like best target market then make it more competitive because um like everyone else is seeing ads that apply like so well to them uh, like because if our ads are reaching the target market best mm-hmm. for rockstar mm-hmm. um and then another person looking f- targeting you know real estate investors exactly. in ontario those ads are going to go so if there are two different people kind of targeting the same person it's going to show up to those guys so if i'm as individual i'm using my facebook i can see if you run an ad and you run the ad with the same demographics it i can see your ad and your ad as well so it doesn't decide based on that so for a advertiser there is there is a lot of competition right so we see that with our business as well when we run ads i see a lot of our competitors you can see in the graph that there is competitor targeting as well and that's the reason why our pricing kind of goes up if there are more competitors who are going after the same keywords or the same demographic your price automatically starts going up because it's based on bid who is willing to pay the highest amount for this person's attention is going to get that person so it's all about it's all about how much so it's not like both companies ads will show up it's just whoever pays more it could show up for both of them but then the frequency also matters right so how many times are you going to show up with those person like if i don't have that much of money and i've kept my bid really low it's not going to show up so many times on that person's feed but if i'm constantly 
my budget is high and there's uh, it keeps showing up in my feed there's a high possibility that I'm actually going to click on the ad and kind of go there it happens with me i don't just randomly just click on an ad it needs i need to see that a couple of times to see okay what is this information and then i kind of go in and kind of see that information i just don't randomly click on an ad as a marketer so yeah all these privacy laws are coming out that seem to be blocking some of these things. Mm -hmm. So as a marketer, how are you constantly staying up to date with all these things and then pivoting and adjusting and working around basically this war that's going on out there? And to add to that too, I know there's specific keywords that you can't use when we're advertising, right? So uh, when it, because we're in real estate, so we cannot target certain demographics. We can't be like, okay, this person in this, um, in this profession and stuff that way. We can only target the age 18 and above and we can only select the area that's it that's all that we have so financial services uh anything to do with real estate and there's one more thing i think political as well i think you can't uh you know use targeting it has to be available to everyone to kind of see that uh what was the other thing that you asked me about um uh, Key keywords that you can't use no, that was it. And then, you know, to add on to that, so then what was an, is an example of a business or a company that can specifically target something? Like, is there an example that we can't do but another company can because they're totally different? Yeah, why is real estate blocked? Like, I understand politics. Because it, uh, what the government said, and the, there was a law passed, I think there was a, um, a lawsuit against Facebook in the US that said that uh, because you're allowing a certain group of people to target a certain sort of real estate uh, options available, you're kind of discriminating against people. So if you put an ad which is real estate related, it has to go to everyone. You cannot discriminate. You cannot be showing ads only to the rich and not to any like a middle class or the lower class. Because when you say rich, it could be like, hey, um, a doctor or a businessman or something that way. And then you can exclude all of those guys. But now that option has been completely taken away from me. I can't do that anymore. So I have to target just the area and the age, and that's it. It is a lot. And okay, and no other demographics. Other businesses can do that. Like an e-commerce business can kind of go and figure it out because it's a product-based stuff, so it can go after certain things. So if it's like a gym-related product, you can search for people with who are interested in, in weightlifting and all of that stuff. And huh, kind of interesting. That stuff. But not uh, real estate, political, and uh, financial services. Uh, there is more, but I think these are the top three that I can think of right now. Hmm. Do you think there's like a good balance that can be struck between consumer protection laws and then also the need for marketers to target and advertise? So uh, there's a huge battle happening right now. And I think um, it was around 2020, 2021 and where we're everyone was trying to get away from the cookie, um, from the cookie world, right? So how does marketer kind of identify and retarget and show you those ads over? Can you explain too for anyone who doesn't know what cookies are when you yeah, accept them? Yeah. So if I say I visit Amazon today and I clicked on a product and I really I, you know, looked at the information I was not ready to kind of uh, buy, I get out and I go on Facebook and in the place, I start seeing ads for it. So what's happening is when I went to Amazon, Amazon dropped a cookie. Okay, it's a pixel basically. So it dropped... Uh, so a, you could say a code. So this is what you're accepting when you click yes on that pop-up box whenever you yes. open a... Yes, so now uh, every website needs to have that. It's it's telling them, hey, that we actually do cookies. Can you please accept it or reject? Or you can modify, like, who do you want to show your data to? 
if you click on that it gives you a big list and which networks you want to kind of share that information it's kind of going in depth to who you want to share your data you can either accept all or you can reject all or you can kind of modify that and that is allowing the cookie to kind of get deposited on your browser and based on that ads will then go after you right so it'll be like okay i identify this person like this product so now i can show this ad and go after this person as many times as i want to so that is how the cookie is working so now most of these companies now are trying to get away from cookie because eventually they like for example apple doesn't allow uh, tracking like it gives you an option when you set up your phone is like do you want to uh, allow tracking or disallow tracking so if you can if you click on disallow tracking i can't track anything that an apple uh, you know phone user is kind of using so that means i cannot drop a cookie i cannot do any of the kind of stuff it's it's illegal so what what's happening is marketers are now finding different avenues to kind of uh, find these guys there's something called as the cookieless world so we're now using servers which will identify these people and then i'm not really explaining it right but it's like it's a different way of tracking them you don't get all the information that you need but at least you know okay this person is coming from this place he's using an apple device and he's probably from this area so you're getting some information from them and that is like it's not going straight forward now with the cookie it's like kind of going like a roundabout way of trying to track information so you're setting up it seems a server. like a constant wow. battle between marketers just finding loopholes around the yeah. laws and yeah yeah it's it's complex because you're adding more layers for a marketer it just gets more difficult every day because you're constantly adding new laws you're constantly changing like for me when we were introduced to this whole thing that i cannot target anymore it i was shocked because that is like a bread and butter right and like i need to know i need to go after my market like how can you stop me from doing that but then facebook came up saying like hey we have ai that will figure out who the person is for you so don't worry we will test so when you actually start running an ad you will see your price really high like a cost per lead Because but it's trying to figure out yeah. who to push that to yeah it's in a learning phase and as soon as it's out of the learning phase it is determined who is the right person so it kind of looks at like five people have taken an action find those five people similar to these guys and then start showing ads to them so that's how your prices start coming down and that's how you kind of train uh the facebook's algorithm to kind of go after people so that's facebook specifically or the other platforms or most of the platforms have that google kind of allows you to you know go after so we still have the targeting options and stuff that way but eventually that part also go away they want you to trust their algorithm and just put the money put your ads and they will figure out so you can like load up 20 images and 20 different statements and it'll just play around just like keep circulating between each of them and show which one's the most appropriate and then yeah it just does it by itself i don't have to set it up completely from start to end do you think that it's like morally right to be kind of the way marketing has gone where it's so based on targeting specific niches and stuff mm-hmm. to then present your products and services like how do you think that's justifiable do you think i don't think i think it's morally fi- uh, correct because when you sign up for a service you're giving away the right of privacy in the first place because when you accept those <laughs> yeah nobody reads and, it <laughs> yeah, yeah when you actually, should all click accept yeah when yeah you, we're all doing it we just don't realize what we're doing <laughs> but then we get the value from signing up for these services absolutely so you're kind of you're selling you're your soul it. a little bit and i guess you know? that's why all these platforms are free for us to use exactly that was the point so yeah. because you're the product yeah. advertised yeah your data is so for these companies the biggest 
uh, gold mine right now is the data because they take that data, they can use it for themselves, they can give it to third party and they can use it for running their ads and stuff, right? It's not always just Facebook. So Facebook can take that and sell it to someone else. So you've already, as soon as you signed in and you accepted the terms and conditions, you've kind of given away the rights and stuff. So you will get to see these ads. And as a marketer, if you're there, I could be anywhere. I could see you in, walking in the middle of the street. I could just go and like bother you and start having a conversation with you, right? It's the same thing, but it's on a wider scale. It's me going across and trying to give you a message. The whole idea is if your product and your service is good and it's going to change their lives in some way, mm-hmm. I don't feel it's wrong to kind of go out there and be in front of them. And I guess it I, does I feel make, the same way. Yeah, and I guess it does make companies and advertisers competitive because it's like whoever offers the best product or ad yeah will then succeed so it does offer like yeah you need to be competitive and improve your product yeah that's true yeah yeah it does contribute to that competitive kind of cycle which does make things better faster cheaper i i agree i think if you have a product or service that you know can benefit people then you have a moral obligation to try and get your message out to those people but then it all comes back down to like if you're actually helping people yeah. I mean, that's the core of it. I was watching this um, Netflix episode uh, from Black Mirror, which yeah. is the recent one with Salma Hayek in it. And um, it's actually, I don't know, like give spoilers, but it was around the same thing. Like the person gave away his rights and then it was there was a show created based on the person's life. And, you know, it was it's all because of AI and was easily able to create characters and stuff that way. So I'm like... This show, first of all, is amazing because it shows, it depicts all the stuff that could happen in future. And I was thinking like... And is happening. Yeah. I mean, if I'm giving away my rights and my image and everything else there, what stops them from using my face, my identity? Or and my I think story? that's where, yeah, some of this stuff gets crazy because some of the stuff that you were showing during that presentation with the voice AI, mm-hmm. and then you showed that Drake song that was completely made by AI and it yeah. sounds exactly like Drake. That's where it can get scary, I feel like. And then that's where like we need some rules. And yeah, regulations. not only did it sound like Drake, it was a great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a really good uh, song because even Weekend is is a part of that song as well. So when Drake was asked about this, he was like, he, he was pretty pissed off about it, right? I mean, how can you kind of make something? And it's, it's like, it wasn't used for commercial purposes, but where are we getting to? Like, it's like, there's enough of information or enough of songs available from Drake that you can actually use that to train an AI model uh, that does voice and kind of create that for him. So, And I saw that AI song had millions of streams on Spotify the next day. Exactly. And then for it is beneficial for him because he would never have to sing another song again if he ever loses his voice as his insurance. But if someone else does it, it's a problem, right? I mean, commercially... Like, they are going to make money, but where do we stop? Yeah, like, who has the rights to what? Exactly. Wow. So this recent AI boom, like ChatGPT, you shared a bunch of other ones. Mm -hmm. Midjourney is used for just creating images where you put in the prompts. Mm -hmm. You know, teddy bear riding a skateboard in Times Square. Yeah. And then it creates that image. Um, You had a bunch of them, which we can go over. The one that I'm using here in the office frequently now is Opus Clip. Yeah, because I'm the one usually that does the uh, cuts the clips for the podcast for like the Instagram reels and YouTube shorts and TikTok and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now this AI, I just put in the YouTube link to the full podcast and it'll automatically cut clips that think people will enjoy. And the clips that it cuts in like five minutes is pretty crazy. Sometimes the clips that it cuts is the same cut clips that I thought were good as well. And it was going to cut anyways. And this does it all in five minutes. And it's giving you a title and copy for that clip. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's actually putting in the captions uh at certain places it's actually throwing in the emojis yep. as well right if i'm not mistaken so yeah uh, i've played with other tools as well and i recommended it to uh Aiden at a point of time and every day i actually stumble upon a new tool so it's it's hard to keep up because yesterday i was i was looking I was talking to Nigel and he mentioned about this tool called tome.app which does presentations for you. I was pretty good. I used a free version and was able to create an entire AI presentation for me in less than 30 seconds. So I was like, did I really have to make this presentation or I could just ask the app to do it? But then again, I had to go into all this economic stuff and I was trying to kind of personalize it a little bit. But right now on a daily basis, I'm seeing one new app that comes out and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be another app that's going to beat OpenScript as well or even uh, ChatGPT has got so much of data now and so much of fan following that it's going to be tough to beat uh, ChatGPT. But if there's a tool that could do a little bit more than what ChatGPT is already doing and has more accurate information, then I feel it could be beaten as well. There could be something else. So do you think that the choice basically comes down to either adopt these new technologies and progress or mm -hmm. ignore them and try to hope they go away? What, what's your advice to people with all these new tools coming out. It's definitely not going away. Uh, with the pace it's growing, with the amount of investment that uh, venture capitalists are actually putting into the, uh, to these uh, companies right now to generate a way out to all of the stuff, is it, it's an indication that this is your to stay. It's going to transform a lot of things. If you go back when computers really hit uh, you know, the market, a lot of people kind of let's say, like, nah, it's not going to it's not a big deal and you know i'm not going to accept it i'm just going to those guys faded away because anyone who adopted computers were able to kind of transform their business and were able to do more like you know there's new jobs that came up develop developers web developers designers because of the computers right initially uh, all this was only limited to certain amounts, like artists who could just paint and stuff. Yeah, I guess now whoever could use the new technologies the best, like whoever can use these new tools, mm -hmm. one. And I guess it'll be the same with this AI stuff. Like if you can use the AI tools the best, yeah, then you'll be the best to succeed. Yeah, you no longer need to actually have the most skill or be the most creative. You just need to be the best at using prompts. Yeah, you just need to be creative at that because if you know how to use the prompts, right? It's like doing a Google search, but doing it so good that you use the plus and the minus and you, you know the right keywords to kind of put it out there, those are the guys who will win. Because when I did the presentation, I told them, if you have kids right now, get them to use that stuff, get them to be better at it because there are going to be jobs right now where companies will hire you to, you know, if you can write a great prompt and get me that stuff right there. Because if I could get an image, which would take at least two days for someone, an illustrator to kind of build that, versus that can be done in 30 seconds, a company will always go after someone who can do it faster, right? So... I think, yeah. How are you, you using these tools day-to-day uh, -day here at Rockstar in your personal life? So I use uh, ChatGPT mostly if I need content to be written. Uh, I'm doing this little side business where I'm trying to help small businesses with marketing as well. If I need to kind of build blog posts, have structures and stuff that way so I can kind of build that structure and start adding my own content. I don't use ChatGPT completely because... Uh, there are tools there that can kind of identify if this stuff is written by AI or not. So I use it for structure, I use it for research, and then, then can go ahead and write those blog posts. I've used ChatGTP2 in university for like... <laughs> Writing an essay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is getting recorded. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But uh, And yeah, I mean, it's 
Yeah, but like so the results the, are really good. Like yeah, and the it, pu- pr- it produces good content. It's crazy mm-hmm. to see. And the pushback in the education system doesn't make any sense to me because it's like pushing back on this thing where, you know, yeah, I understand the skills that you develop by learning how to write yourself, by writing a good essay. Yeah, 100%. But at the same time, like to just ignore these technologies and say don't use them when instead everything should be shifting to here's how to use these technologies to multiply your productivity. It's just such a yeah, crazy it's a, argument. We're at a weird time. And yeah. yeah, there's always the case where people are like, oh, we'll figure out if you're using AI and chat yeah. GTP, but the same thing. it's not yeah, working. It like the AI will always continue to advance and those you know, programs or AIs that's trying to catch if you're using AI or not, I think there'll always be a gap there. I think it'll be tough to kind of like yeah, the same thing with Google Search, right? When when Google Search came up and when students started using that to get um, you know information about stuff, yeah, like same thing. The professors were like, no, you need to you, you need to go to the library, go figure out the book, read their information. So it's the same. I think it's just evolving right now, and there's already love hate relationship for it. I mean. Like I know like professors don't like it, but some professors are actually pushing to kind of allow that stuff because again, it's getting them to kind of uh, do the research quickly instead of kind of going through all of the- And I can see both sides of it because you need the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of language and stuff, obviously. Yeah. But then yeah, like trying to block it out completely, especially at maybe like some university levels. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. Mm It's all just so overwhelming. Like our brains can't process all these new developments. Yeah. Anything that's available for you to see and uh, take that information and utilize in a day-to-day, you don't really need to make that like a... Because the information that you use for the assignments is freely available. Why are you making it a point that, hey, uh, it needs to be used by books. You should not be using it. You can do the same Google search and kind of do that. Yeah. And then I guess it depends on like the subject we're talking about and how you're using it. Cause yeah, like, again, you'll need, yeah, like the fundamentals and understand some things that yeah, I won't be able to do or teach you mm-hmm. at that level. Yeah. So I guess it just all depends. Yeah. So how do you think people can integrate this for themselves in their own lives? I think, uh, their own lives, like for example, uh, my wife used chat GPT yesterday for writing a visa letter for her mom so she wants to invite her so she was like i don't write one so i said just prompt chat gpt to write one for you and it did and the only thing that she did was she added her mom's name and she added her name and the address that's it so on a day-to-day life as well i think it just makes your life easier because if you're, you're already so busy you can just ask it to kind of write stuff for you uh for my one of my friends i've updated their entire resume based on the input. So I've taken their information, put it into ChatGPT and made it better and then pasted it out there. Cover letters, like I've not written cover letters for my ChatGPT. I've never changed my job and stuff, but I can write cover letters almost instantly based on what the job description is. So yeah, it's as quick as doing it for 30 seconds. So if that is something that I can do on my day-to-day life, great for businesses as well. Um, I don't think they should be wasting a lot of time in doing research on Google and stuff, you can just go to ChatGPT and, but you need to validate stuff, right? So when you get the information, you just need to make sure that most of the information- yeah, I guess it depends again on the subject. Yeah, exactly. So like medical and stuff, I wouldn't really like literally rely on ChatGPT and say, okay, I can follow this, but there's some st- stuff like history and stuff that, that way I can just kind of blindly take that information. Again, I think I'll, I'll, I'll correct myself. I still need to validate that stuff. Things like letters, Things like, um, you know, applications and stuff. I think I can just blindly take that and just like paste it and use it. 
Wow. So when you're in the past, when you would have Googled a question, Mm -hmm. something you're researching, do you just use ChatGPT now? Uh, Yes. To a certain extent, if I need like a recipe or I need to find like a math, like an equation or something that way, like a conversion or something, I'll I'll try to use ChatGPT and I I still use, I'm not 100% sure with ChatGPT, so I always confirm with Google, but Google always gives you a bunch of results and then you need to click on it and go in and kind of identify that. Uh, with ChatGPT, the paid version, it connects to the internet, which means now it's not limited to a data which was up, to, up till 2021. So you can actually find relevant and accurate information based on the connection that is doing. Just yesterday, I did a demo of write a social media post on this property, uh, promoting this property, and I just dropped the link of that place of that property like the mls link exactly and it was able to take all that information and create a social media post for me wow so advertising the home for rent i think it was exactly yeah Yeah. so it was able to put those emojis and contact me and it was very well polished written and stuff and i could just like literally copy it and paste it on a social i gotta start using that for when i don't have a caption idea yeah just put in the video it's it's actually really good i need to play around with it yeah yeah Yeah, i actually didn't realize how far behind i am with adopting chat gpt because when you presented to our team yesterday Mm -hmm. i think you're like show of hands who's using it and like half the room is already using it exactly and i was was shocked as well yeah and i started asking what are you guys using it for and it's like content blog posts um, even if it's just for ideas, mm-hmm. like give me, I was talking to a VIP member, Sean Cameron at the last event, and uh, he was saying he uses ChatGPT for coming up with topics just mm-hmm. to talk about, give me the 10 trending topics for mortgages right now in Canada, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gives him the list. And then he creates content based off of that. Yeah. You can write an entire book. You can write scripts for your YouTube video. Everything can be done there. And it's a matter of 30 seconds. You just have to give them the topic that you need to have a conversation about and it just like starts writing it for you. In fact, from start to end, you can use the entire AI. So you can use ChatGPT to write a script for you. You can take that script and you go to 11slab.io and you know use a voice to convert that entire script into audio. And then you can use one of the other tools to kind of make the presentation or the entire video for you as well. So that's how you can use AI from start to end. You don't even have to put a face to it anymore. And this is just the beginning stages. Yeah this boom came out of nowhere where it's like all user AI programs. Mm -hmm. Like before you were talking about how these big tech, uh, giant tech companies are using AI algorithms and stuff, but now it's like the people's AI revolution. Yeah. So I think uh, this came upon because there was a, a disruption and the disruption was because creativity was hit. Uh, when AI was present, it's, it's always been present. It's been there from the 1940s. Uh, it never really ramped up because the computation power required to kind of, you know, have an AI and train it and run those processes were huge. Like, remember I put the presentation where it said that uh, a supercomputer beat Gary Kasparov in chess in 1997. The, the, it was as big as this room. So, but now the computation power is so small that you can just process everything within your computer or your phone if you wanted to. Uh, sorry, I lost a train of thought. What was it they, I was answering about? I can't remember either. <laughs> yeah. I'm so overwhelmed right now with all the AI I guess, stuff. yeah, and then I've noticed too, the only way I guess that I've been using it really like, every, not every day, but mm-hmm. often I guess, is just simple email replies. Like if I don't know how to e- like answer an email in a certain way, I could just give it some context. And it gives back, yeah, like impressive replies yeah you have um within google as well in gmail uh, i'm not sure if it's introduced to everyone but there's a pen icon if you click on it 
and tell it like how you use chat gpt like write a letter for or write an email to this person for so and so reason it writes the no way that's right in gmail yes but it's not available for everyone it's in a certain wow people have access to it i saw it online so so no you're just there's going to be emails going back and forth just ai written no one's actually <laughs> no one's involved yeah yeah oh my gosh this is scary yeah it is i mean it just feels like it's as good as saying that we're getting in, invaded by aliens right now right it's it's sort of that way because you don't know where it's leading to it's there it's helping you out but where does it stop where does it uh like right now ai doesn't have consciousness right it just is doing what it's learning and stuff but what if it develops a consciousness and then be like will they start defending themselves will they look at us as a lesser being and then be like okay like how humans look at plants they would look the same way at us like we would be the slower more lesser uh, of a kind and they can kind of dominate or it could be like we become one we become humanoids where we live forever where we we take our consciousness our all our experiences and put it into a computer and that becomes the brain of the humanoid and then we live forever basically i don't know it could it could potentially lead to that as well wow well i mean like the early stages are almost happening where you can record a video before you die mm-hmm. and that video will now live on forever exactly like 10,000 years from now people can go back and look at all the tiktok videos of people dancing and ridiculous stuff on the internet mm-hmm. and that's like a time capsule a yeah. real living time capsule and then technology just becomes deeper and deeper and better and better yeah to worry some and then in your presentation you had a great point which was like earth shattering which was like for 100,000 years humans have been the smartest beings on planet earth mm-hmm. that's no longer the case yeah and we're actually we're training we're giving this software the ability to be smarter than us because how smart can one person be but it's learning from everyone it's learning from everyone's art it's learning from everyone's uh information history and then it's able to kind of we're coming to a point where we're letting ai entertain us right it can write a book for us it can create music which is like i told you about the drake stuff and also it's going to entertain us but will it come to a point where it start drooling us as well because it feels like what we're doing is not good enough like we're not eating the right amount of food so we're not eating the right food we should stop eating that will ai control us that way or will it just be something that we can work along with and stuff i don't know the answers to this honestly and not many people know when i ask chat gpt the same thing they say like you know it's always again chat gpt is answering based on what information it's been given so it's being very diplomatic right now and saying that hey you know no we're not going to take over the world we're just being nice but it is going to be here to help you but what if it actually starts thinking and has the ability to kind of do stuff on its own it definitely feels like there needs to be some regulation stuff involved which i don't even know if that this point is possible to stop this growth and put like can yeah, even whose idea is all this <laughs> yeah like Let's i don't put even a stop know to this yeah, if mean, that's even possible but it, to a certain extent there is filters created by these applications like for example uh, we have applications that can create videos right there's gen 2 that can create video there's images which is mid journey you can't create certain images like uh any violent images anything which can depict pornography and stuff but a lot of these softwares are open source you can take that software put it in your computer train it give it the right amount of data that it needs to and you can create whatever you need to so in wrong hands it it's actually bad so i don't know how you can control that mm 
So yeah, I guess it's like any new technology, like it depends on who's wielding it, Mm -hmm. whether they can use it for good or evil, like guns, you can kill someone with it or you can, you know, kill your dinner for the night and feed your family. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, mind-blowing stuff, you know. How has marketing changed since you started 15 years ago, 10 years ago? In I think it started industry? 10 years ago. Uh, marketing's really, really evolved. Uh, when, I w- when I just started off, I was, you know, doing simple blog posts and stuff that way. There were advertisements we used to do in paper and in television and all of those things. But as soon as technology got introduced, like social media and the opportunity to kind of go after a bigger audience... I think that transformed everything. Like, you know, ads can be, uh, you can go after, like pay, put in like $100,000 and go after like millions of people just by a click of button versus just like going to an event and being out right in front of a thousand people. So your opportunity to meet more people has grown. And just like computers, marketing also needs, you constantly need to kind of uh, keep yourself in touch with the new trends and the new technology, because if you fall behind, then you stop learning, right? It's like you have to constantly keep learning. You have to constantly keep reading. You constantly keep in touch with new trends and new ad platforms, new social media platforms. So you know, are you the you know early adopter and you get the advantage, or you just stay behind and not do anything and just lose out on that big opportunity? So it has transformed because back in the day, you just run an ad on a newspaper and just wait for it and see if it actually runs or like a big billboard and you don't really have tracking anymore for those things but with this ads and stuff you can track it to the t like to the every cent you can actually track it back so i think that gives me as a marketer great potential of saying that okay like like tom always mentions that it's it's a math business is a math so if you know basically how much you're going to spend to get one person into your business and if that math works for you, then you can basically grow your business exponentially. You know, if you can put $10 versus put in 100, then you can make your business really big. Then as a marketer, I have that much control and power to say that, yes, I can do that for you. So I think that's potentially possible now because of the technology and the tracking that's available. Hmm. How do you recommend people learn about marketing and AI? For marketing and AI, both, I think you just constantly need to keep learning about new trends and actually doing them. So if you learn about something and don't execute it, like I, lo- I know a lot of people know about ChatGPT, but I've never actually gone in and you know played around because as soon as you t- tell someone about technology or something new, a lot of people kind of push back. That's like a very uh, general tendency of humans as well, right? To push back from something and change. But if you adopt to that change and you start learning and kind of executing, I think it's, it's just going to help you on a day-to-day basis. You need to kind of see that it's more as an assistant rather than, you know, someone who's going to take a job for you. Uh, what, do you have specific resources you recommend for people to stay on top of this? Stuff? Or anybody you like in particular that you follow? I don't actually follow anyone in particular, to be honest. I, I actually follow all these tools. They come up with a lot of information by themselves. Uh, like um, ChatGPT is like you have their own uh, Twitter handle and stuff. You can follow them and they can give you a lot of information, all the developments that they are doing because they're working from a text to text model, right? So you put in inputs and then you give out that. You have text to image models, which is uh, mid journey. So I follow their accounts and they keep talking about the information and how they are kind of growing and what kind of data sets they are getting exposed to because of which their versions are getting better right now. So that's how I'm keeping in touch. For marketing, I follow all the stuff that Dominic follow. It's like Dan Kennedy, uh, Russell Brunson, um, and uh, 
Alex Harmozy, yeah. right? Yeah, I've, I've started reading his book. His book is pretty much Dan Kennedy speaking in a little bit more amplified voice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, it's the same messaging, right? And every his time YouTube I read, videos are killer. Exactly. And every time I read his information, I can see Dan Kennedy's voice there because it's the same messaging. And then I kind of compare it with our marketing that we do out here. And I feel like we're doing most of it. We're not like keeping any point away. We're, it's just like a refresher for me. Like I'm reading again Dan Kennedy's magnetic marketing book. It just feels like a refresher. Cool. If anyone wants to check out Alex Hermosi's YouTube channel, I'd recommend it because those videos are awesome. Yeah. He's got a really good team behind him yeah. on those videos. Yeah. How important has content become in marketing? Content is substantially important because I feel uh, your message needs to go out. And the only way you can do that is by a good amount of copy and content. Uh, this podcast, I guess, is an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can potentially give a person a reason why they should be joining a business or why they should be using a product just based on your voice. You just need to communicate the problem that they are actually facing and convince them that you know the problem much better than them. And you can do that with a, you know the right amount of content and right amount of copy. Because if you can tell them that you know that person's problem better than he does, he's going to trust you right away. And then he's going to probably give you his money because you have the solution for it. And you can't do that to talking to a million. Like we talk to thousands of people based on our ads, right? How do you do that as a person? You can only do that using content and using these mediums and out there. Uh, one of the things that I learned from Dan Kennedy's book is a trifecta. It's uh, the message, the media, and the market. Now, if we kind of have this in place, then we know our marketing is gonna succeed. So the message is the, the content, the copy that you're actually writing to the market that you need to write to, right? If you're writing content for someone, like say for the doctors, and it's actually showing up to the to nurses, it's not gonna work. It has to go to the right market. And the only way to reach the right market is to the right media. And that is either Facebook or the radio or whatever, like a newspaper, or we used to do faxes before as well. So, you know, it's just that these three things have to be equally given the right importance. and. You know, if someone does that right, they will be really successful. And then content plays a right role in there because all of these things need content and all of these need copy in order to communicate that message across those media. Hmm. Yeah. How do you think you've grown as a marketer since joining Rockstar and been here the last four years? Uh, I've learned a lot, to be honest. Uh, when I was in my previous organization, it's a huge company. So they follow principles that other big companies follow, right? So. I would learn bits and pieces from different places, like lead generation from one person, uh, maybe do another campaign I learned about ads and stuff. This place has taught me how to put those things together. Like I've never seen such a good marketing system in place where all I need to do is turn up the tab a little bit if I put in a little bit more budget and I know I'm gonna get something more in the end. And because it's a perfect system. And I see, when I, when I first joined in, like, I knew it was all funnel buildings and all that stuff, but I saw the entire system live. Like I saw a person sign up using one of our books, get into the system, go through the follow-up emails, actually come to one of our classes. I was attending that class and I followed that person through and through and that person became a member. So for me to see that marketing, you know, succeed in live was amazing. Like that was like a moment for me, like, oh my God, this is it. 
like i need to learn how the system is built how things work how lead generation work and everything and so that's how i learned most of it right and i'm now i'm trying to go out and kind of help other people as well wherever i can like in small businesses or anyone if someone is asking me i can tell them okay this is the system that you can use and follow this and it is a sure shot success for you so could you maybe call out some of the most notable ai programs that you've discovered and are actually useful for people i think right now chat gpt is top on the list so start with that because it's easy to use and learn and kind of adapt and stuff because once you use how to use a prompts it's easy to jump to any other tool and use it uh for images if you want to create like if you don't want to look for images in 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 you know these um stock footage and stuff that way i think you should uh use midjourney uh there's doll e2 which is also available but i i personally use midjourney because it's very easy and if their images have gone hyper realistic uh i did one where selfie with um with mahatma gandhi on the streets of india and it turned out pretty good it was so real <laughs> yeah it's crazy live so yeah that is one for video it's it's still in its early stages but it's called gen 2 it's a part of runway ml uh if you ever want to test it out you can use that uh for text to voice i would use 11 11's lab io that's that's a tool that you can use and you know if you don't want to really use your voice you can write the script and upload the information out there you can also train your voice by the way you can record your voice uh upload it out there and train the model to use your voice and you can get all of that script ready with that stuff we use it we use another tool called descript yep i've used that to kind of train it to use my voice and create certain text so if i type in some text it can actually create a voice it uses my voice to create that um uh you know that that sort of uh, sound and stuff that way so it's it's pretty cool yeah and then i guess opus clip if anyone yeah. needs to uh cut podcast clips opus clip has been great o p u s clips yeah and i'm not sure if other there for presentations uh tom t o m e dot app is something which i recently discovered when you want to create some really uh dynamic presentations you can kind of use that like you a have, slideshow yeah so how does that work you like make me a presentation on ai's impact on humanity yeah you can do that or you can simplify it saying that hey can you make an ai presentation that i need to give to a fifth grader so it simplifies stuff for you so it's using multiple uh ai systems here it's using text to text it's using text to image because it's using images to kind of drive all of these things together and then formulating and bringing it to one so it's going to happen eventually there's going to be a system that will de- develop like something like google search where you just put in one information create a song uh a, a rap song based on your life your terms with this person's character's voice and you know this video and stuff it'll do that end to end for you so you don't have to jump from one tool to the other it's eventually wow yeah what do you even need humans for at this point <laughs> so that's a good question cuz like it freaks people out understandably yeah. um thinking about their future and career mm-hmm. and their place in the world so aside from adopting the technologies for yourself how can people protect themselves is it just finding industries that ai isn't going to impact is it is it uh focusing on things that are only in the physical world that ai can't yet do uh it's a tough question to answer because i'm not sure what will be the impact of ai because right now it's taken over creativity which was like at the bottom of the list like i never thought that you know ai could affect creativity so i don't know about others because it's already ai is already present in physical world right i mean AI cannot work well without using good hardware. For example, you go to Walmart, 
uh, you have all those checkout screens, right? So you scan something and you have to place the item on the baggage area. And if you don't do that, it starts beeping, it starts yelling at you, which means it knows that you've scanned something which is probably 450 grams. And if you won't put that same amount of weight back in that system, it's gonna not allow you to move further. So why do we need humans anymore? Because it's not gonna let you, th imagine if they take off all the humans, it's a big ass gate out there. And if you don't do your scanning properly and if you don't do all that stuff, it's not gonna open up for you. So you're gonna get stuck over there till you've figured out everything. Oh my God. So eventually humans will not be needed. Like autonomous labor, like it's it's basically available everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can't protect yourself at all. Yeah. So I, I really don't have an answer to that, honestly, because- you know, I feel like we'll always need tradesmen. I don't know if AI can replace that eventually, maybe, but- Yeah, I still feel doctors, like one profession that I can really think of is is the medical field, because uh, I I still can't trust AI to kind of fully <laughs> operate on you. Stop. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's still there. there well, just like with cars, how there's going to be self-driving cars that have zero human error. Yeah. And massively reduce the amount of car accidents that are going to happen. They're going to have robotic surgeons doing surgeries on people with zero human error. Like it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's going to be all laser precisioned and all that. Yeah, it's 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 difficult, but I see it there. I know right now doctors are across the world and actually operating on someone else using robotics and a little bit of AI, but it's the person actually moving his hands to do the operation. It's it's happened already. Like people have done that. There's a guy in India who was operated, but the person was in the US. So they were able to do that based on machinery and all of that stuff. But what if you just take that person away? Like it's good in a way because now you don't have to wait for a long time and you know you can just take an appointment and just go and get your surgery done. But how efficient is it? It's not ready yet because it still is learning from doctors who can actually make mistakes, right? It's again, the same data, it's the same information that is learning from us. But eventually, will it get that good that it doesn't need humans anymore and can figure it out by itself? Yeah, don't know. Wow. Buy real estate before yeah. the AI yeah. does. Yeah, use Bitcoin, buy real estate. We don't even know that you're paying rent to a landlord who's actually an AI. Oh God. Crazy <laughs> stuff. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to start with chat GPT. I need to definitely integrate that yeah, into yeah. my life. It seems like it's a no brainer at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, man. Is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, anything you want to leave people? Can Where can people find out about you? Are you on social media? Do you want to leave anything with anyone? Or uh, I have a website. It's called Train the Marketer. And uh, it's a small little journey that I have started to kind of help people uh, learn a little bit about marketing. I'm trying to help small businesses achieve the same system that we have here so that, you know, they can succeed. And uh, a lot of people have burned a lot of money doing a lot of ads and stuff and going in a direction that they, you know, they don't really have a direction. So I just want to help them get the right direction, succeed. And then, I don't know, I don't know if this is becoming a big thing, but it's just a way for me to take this experience and help more people that's it like i've learned so much from dominic and i can take this and give it back to so many other people and help them yeah that's that's like a little mission that i have for myself that's cool man yeah, yeah that is cool yeah. yeah okay beauty we have a team lunch so we're awesome. gonna get going yeah awesome sounds awesome. good thanks keith no worries thanks 
So a big thank you to Keith for coming on and sharing his journey and insights into how AI and digital marketing works and how we can all leverage it to our advantage. If you like learning about marketing like this and want more of this type of training, reach out to us by email at members at rockstarbrokerage.com or call 905-338-6964 extension 210 to chat with us or simply visit rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership and all the benefits. We go deep on every topic you need to craft your life on your terms. Real estate, investing, tax planning, marketing, business building, personal development, health, wellness, productivity, you name it, so much more. Don't miss out on speeding up your journey to live life on your own terms. Reach out now and let's catapult you forward. Thanks for listening to this episode and hope to catch you again on the next one.